Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safety here with Anthony Broom. We are live from the JW Marriott in Houston, Texas, ready for the national championship game on Monday night. It is Sunday evening right now. We are here to preview Michigan against Washington. We'll go into keys to the game for the Wolverines. We'll give our final score predictions as well. So thank you for everybody joining us whether it's late sunday night or on your monday morning commute any other time before kickoff we are extremely excited for it but please like this video if you hope that michigan wins the national championship against washington subscribe to our channel as well we'll have full coverage post game show with anthony broom and former all big 10 defensive lineman ryan van bergen as well as post game press conferences interviews shots you know scenes from the field all that so subscribe to our youtube channel uh, as well, and head to the Wolverine.com exclusive offer for YouTube viewers and podcast listeners. The promo code UM1 gets you premium access for two months for just one dollar fifty cents a month for the next two months. You get in, you can interact with fans on our message board, including us, uh, and get all of our premium coverage. AB been in Houston for a few days now. The game is going to kick off less than 24 hours from now, from when we're talking at the current moment. How you doing? I'm great. Uh, again, since last we spoke, um, spent about 40 hours at home and got right back on a plane. Got here late Friday night and you know did media day Saturday. We saw practice on Saturday. Uh, coach's joint press conference uh, earlier this morning as we record here on a Sunday night. It's almost go time now. It's not quite the same scale of production in terms of what the Rose Bowl was. You got 
you had the extracurriculars, you had the pageantry. Now it's six days to a game. Everyone gets back home, regroups, game puts the game plan in, gets right back on a plane and is out here on Friday. So uh, they are playing in the last game that anyone will play this college football season, which is something that obviously people were hopeful for. It's something that a lot of people predicted. But until you get there, until you put in the work, it's tough to predict if it will happen or not. And the fact that we're here, uh, we're recording right now, I mean, about this time tomorrow, we're going to be well into the second half of this national championship game. So it's here. Uh, it, it's what everyone was hoping for, what everyone was waiting for, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, no doubt. So let's jump into it. But before we do, I want to talk about our friends over at Champions Club, Michigan's preeminent NIL collective. We have partnered with them, giving them an assist here as they have their push for the Those Who Stay NIL campaign. Michigan fans, donor uh, donors donating towards bringing Michigan players back for next season. We all know how well the one more year fund went for Champion Circle a year ago, and uh, they are running it again with the Those Who Stay campaign. So a bunch of guys, you kind of, you know, you the fans know the names, but a bunch of guys with eligibility remaining that could forego the NFL and return to Michigan. They're well over $500,000 raised as we speak right now bunch of big time donors are doing uh you know matching up to a certain amount within a, a different time periods so all sorts of stuff going on with that but it, they are off to a big start and we are told that the link that we have in the description here has been doing really well so thank you to the wolverine viewers readers for contributing here because our link has been going crazy and uh, a lot of people have been donating so donate what you can uh, is what they're asking and they're you know, up over five hundred fifty-two thousand dollars at this point so they want to win the national championship on Monday night, but they also want to build towards the future, and that's what this campaign is trying to help with. Uh, let's talk about the Michigan offense here against the Washington defense before we flip things and, and talk about the Michigan defense against Michael Penix and those guys. But specifically with the Michigan offense, Anthony, um, you know you're going against a Washington defense that is not the strength of their team. You know they they are not. Uh, you know they're kind of middle of the pack in most statistics. Some actually further down. Uh, statistically, defensively, teams have been able to run the football on this Washington team. Blake Horm should have some opportunities there. Teams have also been able to attack this Washington secondary as well. So this isn't kind of the matchup that everybody's talking about. They're talking about Michael Penix, those great receivers, and that great Husky offensive line against the Michigan defense, which ranks number one in scoring and, and a whole bunch of other categories. Uh, but this is going to be a really important one in one, too. And I think a huge key here is being able to control time of possession, keep Michael Penix uh, in that great offense off the field, limit the possessions in this game, uh, because then, you know, Joel Klatt was talking about this on his podcast earlier this week, and I thought he, he made a good point with that, that every stop you get from there is going to feel like two stops because, uh, you know, if you limit those possessions, you know, the margins are so slim. Washington is going to have pressure on themselves to score on every uh, every drive, and if you can hold them to field goals, or make them punt, uh, those are going to be huge victories. Absolutely. Uh, we talked about it in our media day and, and practice takeaways mm -hmm. from Saturday. That's also uh, on the YouTube channel or over on the website. Be sure to check that out as well. Uh, Jesse Minner, when I spoke to him, said every stop that you get in this game, whether that be because field forcing field goals in a game like this, those are stops, right? When you have an offense that is as high-powered as Washington's is, uh, you know they are going to run plays that are designed to score, pretty much every time out. So 
getting off the field on third down is huge. Getting off the field in those, uh, in, you know, in the red zone, forcing field goals and finishing drives too, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, so much of this, uh, you know, when you look at the storylines between these two teams, it's going to be, you know, I know there's a lot of, uh, a lot of eye candy in terms of Washington's offense. There's a lot of, you know, for people who love physical smash mouth style of football, there's a lot of eye candy for them in what Michigan does. But to me, when you boil down this game and distill it to its most basic form, I think that's what it winds up coming down to is getting off the field. It's to me, the teams are, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but in terms of Michigan's recipe to winning this game, I think it does look a lot like 2021 Ohio state to a certain extent, 2022, but the, you know, this is, it's no, it's no cakewalk. It's no walk in the park. Just getting here doesn't ensure success here. So I got to regroup. I got to play well on both sides of the ball. And uh, when we talked to Minter, uh, something that stood out to me is, you know, for them, their secondary played the best game that they played all season against Alabama. You know, they had the, those guys that were the deep threats over the top. They like to take shots down the field and Michigan bottled them up. Now this is what Minter called a whole other animal. I agree with that, but that those guys had that good of a performance in the Rose bowl. And now you get to carry that into a week of game prep for the biggest game, maybe almost, I mean, in a certain set of circumstances, it's the biggest game any of these guys will ever play in. So uh, to me, I think that's, that's a good positive thing for Michigan that, you did just come off of a defensive performance that I think was eye-opening for a lot of people, even though we knew they were capable of that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, back to the offense real quick. Blake Corum played well against Washington last time, right? <laughs> I think that's, uh, you know, you got to have confidence. It's the game that started all this. What's that? Arguably. So it's the game that started all this, arguably. Right. We were just talking about that. Anthony and I were uh, in an Uber coming back from a, a barbecue dinner. Um, you know, eating some Texas barbecue down here. And and AB made the point that that game, one, they, it was kind of one of the first games here in this mini era. Uh, they wore blue on blue, which they will be doing on Monday night, the national championship game. But it's also, I mean, it was just a, a movie scene type of atmosphere at the big house there. It was Jimmy Lake coaching Washington. They ended up going four and eight. That was not a good Washington team. They had lost to Montana the week before, but it is the same two programs and Michigan kind of kicked things off with that big win, even though Washington ended up be, uh, not being so good. It was still a primetime victory at the big house. One of the first games with fans back the first big game with fans back. And now here we are full circle after tough, tough, uh, you know, year for Washington. Then they hire Kalen DeBoer and they've only lost two games since the last two seasons. Um, so I thought that that was a good point. Here we, here we go. Full circle. Um, Blake Horam. I think is going to be key running the football in this game. Teams with comparable physicality, talent, offensive lines, skill position players have been able to run the ball in Washington this year. Uh, they ran for six point. Uh, Oregon ran for six point two yards per carry in the Pac-12 championship game, five point one and two hundred and four total yards uh, when the two teams played earlier in the year in Seattle and then Texas in the Sugar Bowl. They uh, averaged six point four yards per carry, one hundred eighty yards, three touchdowns in that game, despite losing and having to really throw to try to get back in the game late. So they were able to move the football. They were able to move the football on the ground. And this brings me to my next point, AB, and it's something you and I have talked about too, as you go over this matchup in recent days, is we're just kind of constantly talking about it, no matter what we're doing here, down here, getting our work done and everything. Um, Michigan, in its style of play under Jim Harbaugh, 
has the opportunity when they play other very good teams in a big game, high pressure, high stakes, where they'll play these top 15 teams. And if they have the edge in terms of physicality, if they're able to finish the drives like you mentioned earlier, how important that's going to be. And they just kind of roll over them sometimes, not all the time. You know, sometimes it just doesn't shake out that way. And you have to win a meat grinder as Jim Harbaugh, Jack Harbaugh and Bo Schembechler would say. And we've seen that a lot throughout the years. A few times they've played Iowa, you know, at different points. It's not going to be pretty. Penn State in 2021 uh, was an example. Even Penn State this year, I think you could kind of categorize as a meat grinder to an extent. I think the final score, you know, winning by nine looked a little bit closer than maybe the game went. But there are some examples of Michigan playing very good football teams. Maybe not Washington level good this year, but very good football teams and kind of rolling over them. And I do have a list of them here people can reminisce on, but 41-17 over number 10 Penn State and 45-23 over number two Ohio State in 2022. 42-3 over number 15 Iowa, 42-27 over number two Ohio State in 2021, 45-14 over number eight Notre Dame in 2019, 38-13 over number 15 Wisconsin, and 42-7 over number 14 Penn State in 2018, and so on. There are some other examples of this. So I'm not saying that's going to happen. We're going to get to our final score predictions. I'm not predicting a Michigan blowout, but I think that's a possibility here. And again, I mean, I'll talk about Washington's offense in a second, a little bit more, but you know, they have a high octane offense that could run up some points quickly too. So I'm not saying that that any scenario is out of play here. I'm saying there is a, a chance that if Michigan can get that edge up front and kind of bulldoze and, and use the boa constrictor you know, analogy like Joel Klatt does, they, they can they can win this game pretty big. Um, again, not predicting it, but I do think it's something worth mentioning with the way Michigan plays against a defense like this. Th- this could happen. I think the conditions are ripe for that, to be honest with you. You know, for as much talk as there is about Michael Penix and you know, there was an NFL scout that said, you know, this uh, the Washington wide receivers are three of the best or the, one of the best cores of wide receivers they've ever evaluated. That's all fine and good. If this winds up being a game where I'll put it to you this way, Michigan probably should have won that Alabama game by a few scores, if not for its own self-inflicted wounds, because they absolutely owned the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. If Michigan plays like that again against this Washington team, and again, it's a much better offensive line. I think that storyline probably isn't getting as much play um, as maybe it should. But if Michigan comes out mashing up front on both sides of the ball, I do think you're looking at a scenario where this could be, uh, you know, some of those lops, like like some of those lopsided games. Uh, you know, when Michigan, typically when Michigan plays in a game like that, you know pretty early on that that they're in it and it could be a rough day at the office for the other teams. Now, uh, Ohio State 2022 was a game where you kind of just had to feel it out and then it opened up for you later on. Sure. It's a different kind of blowout, uh, but if Michigan is cooking up front on both sides of the ball, I just don't, I don't know that Washington has the size to hang with that. I don't know that they have the physicality. And to be frank, I don't know that they have the experience for it either. So very good football team. Um, we will get to our game predictions. I'm not exactly predicting a blowout, but I sure. do think that I think there's a better chance that Michigan blows out Washington than it is that Washington wins. And maybe that's my hot take for the episode, but I just, uh, We'll talk about the rest of that later, but mm-hmm. when you look at what they pl- – after four weeks of prep, what that offensive line looked like, what that defensive line looked like, I, I, I think it's clear advantage there 
uh, for Michigan heading into a game like this uh, because Washington has not seen a team like this. And I'm happy to eat my words if it comes off as hubris, if it comes off as something I'm going to have to eat crow for later on. That's fine. I'm happy to do that. You guys know that. But I just I feel like that this Michigan team. I feel like they have a complete game that's still in them, but we'll see. It's still one of those coin flip games. There's so many variables going into it. Totally. And I, I do also think it's kind of interesting because in the Rose Bowl, we saw a ton of nerves. I mean, JJ McCarthy, I don't know if it was nerves or what, but he had, a, you know, he had guys open early in that first play from scrimmage, didn't throw the football, kind of rolled out and throws it right to Caleb Downs there on the sideline. Fortunately, as we all know, he was out of bounds, didn't reestablish himself. Turns out it was overturned, incomplete. But man, I mean, that could have been a deadly mistake for Michigan earlier on in the game. And then you look at Samaj Morgan's muff punt. I mean, Jake Thaw muffed the punt as well. Also, I think I, we may have talked about this last week or, or earlier this week or what, however you want to call it. I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. Um, you know, that it was still impressive that Jake Thaw corralled the football and hung on to it. But that's kind of another story. I mean, there were bad snaps from Michigan. There were bad snaps from Alabama as well, as we all know. And that guy's now going to Ohio State, the Alabama center. Um, but, look, there were a lot of nerves in that game. And I think maybe less in Washington's game, but they muffed the punt too. I mean, the two teams that muffed the punt last Monday are playing in the national championship game. They, you know, there were some turnovers in that game. But this, this is a bigger stage. But you did play a week ago on a stage that's similar. So I do wonder what the nerves are going to be like for each team too, because JJ McCarthy, there are some games where he's kind of off on his first few throws and then he'll rip off like 10 straight completions. I wonder what he's going to look like early on, because when you're playing a team like Washington, you want to have a fast start on both sides of the ball, but particularly offensively. Um, and, and you want to start to win the field position battle. It'd be also interesting to see how Don, uh, Tommy Doman comes out because that was kind of an uncharacteristic performance by him punting the ball, you know, 35, 40 yards at best. Uh, in that game against Alabama. So the nerves, I think, are something to watch. For sure. And I think that when you look at offensively how this game could open, if I suspect in the game script, whatever those first 10 to 15, however many plays they have set up, I think you're probably looking at a steady diet of Blake Corum uh, with the way that he closed out last week's game, with the way that we think they could, they could or should be able to to run the ball against this Oregon team. I mean, if they're able to establish a running attack early on, that is kind of the exhale and, and the sigh of relief for, for yeah. the Michigan offense, because you're going to get to, if you're able to run the ball right off the bat, you can run just about anything in your playbook off of that. And I think that Washington's going to have a rough time defending it. If that is the case. So uh, for me, getting off to a fast start is obviously critical. And you look back the last week's game, we talked to uh, I talked to Jay Harbaugh for a little bit on Saturday, and you know he said when he went back and watched the film about that special teams performance, what struck out to him was how many uncharacteristic plays were made by guys that have a long history this season of stepping up and and being reliable yeah. in those big moments. Tommy Doman shanked punts. We saw that uh, James Turner missed an extra point. Samaj as a punt returner is still kind of a new development, but he wouldn't have been in that role if he hadn't shown them what he was capable of in, in game prep and practices and behind the scenes. And, you know, Jake Thaw for as much grief as, as that play at the goal line uh, could have been to have the wherewithal to still not let one mistake turn into two and secure the football, take that hit. Um, they don't rep 
things like that necessarily. Because uh, uh, as Jay Harbaugh said, teams should. Well, I think. well, here's what he said about that: is that you don't necessarily want to rep that because then you're sort of planting a seed in their head. We're like, well, why are we repping mistakes? Like, do they not trust me to do the right thing? And there's some overthinking that's involved. So that's fair too. That can be that can be kind of a sensitive uh, situation. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that there is going to be a little. I, it's maybe a little bit overplayed, but um, Michigan knows its offensive line throughout this year didn't exactly play up to that Joe Moore standard they had set. Now they're playing a team that has the Joe Moore award winner. And for that offensive line that heard for four weeks, it couldn't hang, hang with the SEC. They were going to get punched in the mouth and all that stuff. I think that uh, make no mistake about it. I mean, this group, I, I won't say finds ways to manufacture a chip on its shoulder, but you know, they want to finally play to that standard because when they did win that award, they didn't play well in the college football playoffs. So I, I think there's some motivation there. Uh, we'll see what the – I suspect there's going to be some more room for those wide receivers to operate a little bit compared to the two corners that they saw in the Rose Bowl. But offensively, a fast start is paramount because what you don't want to do is you don't want to you – know, say you win the coin toss, you defer. Washington marches right down the field and scores because that could happen. And then you come out on offense and either turn over the ball or go three and out. Then all of a sudden Washington has the ball again with a stick of dynamite in its hand, basically threatening to go up two scores before you've, you've even really gotten to your game script. So a fast start is, is huge. Um, that's, I mean, by far the biggest key to this game to me is not getting off to a slow start because I think that this Washington team is maybe a little more set up to bury you, especially through the air, than that Alabama team was. And, and the other thing with that is that if you do get behind in this game and you know you probably do have an advantage with your O-line against their front seven, that advantage is minimized just a little bit or, or, or even significantly because you can't run quite as much. Now, I think Michigan will still stick with the run. I think we've seen that throughout the years. But you get down 14, 17 points, and – Look, Michigan has done that in, in some of these playoff games in the past. And Georgia, you kind of throw all, but TCU comes to mind. Um, and we'll see if Washington throws different looks at Michigan that kind of catches it off guard. But then you don't play the game on your terms. And you want to play this game, given the uh, clash in different styles here, on your terms. A couple of last notes on the Washington defense before we move to the other side of the football and talk about Michael Penix and that fantastic offense. But they rank 44th in the country in ESPN's SP Plus ratings. On that side of the ball, uh, if they beat Michigan, they will be a major outlier. Uh, a team ranked worse than 30th in that metric SP plus defense has not won the national championship since Oklahoma in 1950. And uh, as Bill Connolly from ESPN.com pointed out, when Michigan has played teams that rank around 44th, they played Minnesota at 31, Michigan State was ranked 45th. They won those games in blowout fashion, 52-10 at Minnesota. 49-0 at Michigan State. Of course, Washington has a much better offense that we'll talk about in a second, but Michigan can put big points up, and it speaks to the point we talked about earlier, against defenses of this caliber. Now, they do have some very good players on this defense. It starts with Braylon Trice as uh, as kind of the headliner there, uh, the defensive end, outside linebacker, edge rusher, who leads the country in pressures. Let's see, 77 pressures, uh, but he has 46 tackles. 11 and a half are behind the line of scrimmage, seven sacks on the year. He is PFF's number 17 overall NFL draft prospect. So keep an, uh, keep an eye on number eight, 
on Monday night. Rest of their D-line, just okay. They do have a, a linebacker, Edifuan Ulafoshio, and I think I said that right, who is very good. Um, uh, Associated Press, second team, All-American. Uh, and then at uh, at corner, Jabbar Muhammad, he, uh, he's been big for them this year, All-Pac-12 second team performer. But that's kind of the Michigan offense against the Washington defense. Now let's flip it over, A.B., and talk about Michael Penix, Romo Dunze, Joe Moore award-winning offensive line against the Michigan uh, defense, which stepped up huge against Alabama. I think we talked about this on Thursday, though. You kind of scrapped that that uh, game plan. And uh, Kenneth Grant, I, I brought that up to Kenneth Grant on Saturday, and he said, yeah, it's, it's you know, a different challenge. You know I mean? You're not going to be chasing around Penix as much as you're going to be trying to make him uncomfortable in the pocket, make him backpedal instead of be able to step into his throws with with clear throwing lanes. Uh, but your thoughts on the biggest keys for this Michigan defense going against uh, Michael Penix, fantastic receivers, and O-line that can give him some time. Well, the scariest thing, too, about Michael Penix is that he's a guy that even this year has shown when he does get knocked off of his spot, he can still fire it in there off of his back foot and do something crazy. And, you know, he throws, again, someone will jump in the comments and talk about his mechanics and what pro scouts say, but what for my money's worth, he throws one of the best balls I've ever seen. Uh, that's college NFL, regardless. Uh, the velocity, the the accuracy, uh, the back, the stuff that he does on on fades and and the back shoulder throws is insane. Um, and his chemistry with those guys, you know, this uh, you know Romo Dunze and Jalen Polk and, and some of those other guys, it's it's insane. It, it, that's the only way I can really describe it. And again, it is a you know you go from playing an Alabama team that wants to be physical they play downhill the quarterback is even going to run straight at you and it's a game you kind of have to you know straight things up and, and even on fourth down with the game on the line. even on fourth and three with the rose ball on the line <laughs> um it's a totally different challenge um you know but what we've seen from jesse minner's defense is they have traveled throughout the year they they've won now they have not seen anything like this this they might not have seen a passing game like this at all in these last three years, even with what Ohio State has thrown out. Ohio State 2021 is probably the closest thing to a lesser extent what they had last year as well. But, um, you know, the key the key is, again, mixing up those coverages. You got to – it's sort of similar to what we talked about last week in terms of what Michigan had to do to catch those Alabama edge rushers off balance is that you have to do something that makes them think because – even if that slows them down, they're processing whatever for a split second. In that split second, you could have some kind of exotic pressure coming. You could have a blitz up the middle. You could have a, a man coverage that wind, you know looks like a zone. You have to show something to slow him down before the football is even snapped. So that that's the biggest chess match to me when you look at the defensive side of the ball. They are going to move the ball. They are going to score points he is probably going to make at least three or four throws in this game where the, it is perfectly covered either by Will Johnson, Josh Wallace, Mikey Sainerstow, whoever winds up being where it's going to be textbook coverage. It's going to be exactly where it needed to be. And it, maybe it's on a third and 12 and they pick up 16, 17 yards. It's going to, they're going to do things that frustrate you. And they're going to do things that if you're a fan watching at home is probably going to elevate your heart rate. But <laughs> as we talked about earlier, it's getting off the field in a couple of those key third down situations. It's forcing, you know, field goals in the red zone or in field goal range. 
that to me is where, you know, any stop and field goals are stops, turnovers are stops, third downs are stops. Any and all of those should be celebrated in this game because I think there's a chance that even if you play a good defensive game, you could give up a point total that's in the mid to high 20s, maybe even in the low 30s. Uh, the best defense that you can possibly play in this game is limiting the possessions they have by sustaining a ball control, sort of that boa constrictor type of offense. So we talk all the time about complementary football. To me, this is the quintessential complementary football game for Michigan. You can't have special teams errors. You got to stay on the field on offense and on defense. You just, you just have to do enough. You just have to do enough. And if you do more than enough, you might win this game going away. But those are that that's a huge key is not getting frustrated. Guys are going to get beat. You're going to have the perfect pressure dialed up. You're going to have the perfect coverage dialed up. And you might even get pressure. And Michael Penix is going to do something insane. And you just have to line back up and, and do it again. And I think this team has the mental wherewithal to do that. We've seen that over the span of 14 weeks. But this is their biggest challenge yet, and especially this year. They have not seen anything like this. I mean, when, when we're sitting here and saying the closest thing that they've seen that approximates this is Maryland, no disrespect to Maryland. I think that says a lot about, one, the quality of the passing offense is on the schedule, and two, just how much better this Washington one is than anyone else. You just segued perfectly into what I wanted to bring up next because there is a theory out there. There's a stat out there. When you mentioned – Michigan's biggest test in this area being Maryland. And they they were able to hit on some throws. Michigan tightened things up. They started to get pressure. Mikey Sainer still's two picks were obviously massive in that game. And then they get the safety at the end and everything else and, and great special teams play. But there's a theory out there too. And I think there's credence to it, but I also don't fully buy into it that Washington hasn't really been tested at all in terms of past defenses that they played. So I'm going to read off the stat that kind of went viral, I think on Saturday night um, that uh, that people started to share. But these are the national rankings for the past defenses that Washington faced this year, some of them. I think it's just 12 in here on this tweet. But Stanford, 133rd. One, hand up. I didn't even know there were 133 teams. thought it was 131, <laughs> so Stanford must have been really bad. Tulsa is 131. Michigan State, 98th. Good for them. Cal 127th, Oregon 65th, Arizona 89th, ASU 124th, USC ranks 93rd, Utah 79th, Oregon State 98th, Washington State 85th, Texas, as we all know, coming into that game is one of the key storylines, ranks 105th in pass defense. So devil's advocate, or not even devil's advocate, but just to, to point out the other side is Washington hasn't seen anything like this Michigan defense that ranks number one in pass defense. That's probably a little deceiving too. Because, like, your point is true that Michigan hasn't really been tested in that area this year. You know, McCord and uh, Talia Tagovailoa and, and Milrow were the three best quarterbacks they played all year. None of them are anywhere near what Michael Penix is. And then you pair that with the time he gets from their O-line and the receivers that they have. Romo Dunze is incredible. He's a number 10 NFL draft prospect, according to PFF. Uh, but Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, who has missed time this year but still has – well over 500 yards you know he, he's missed about a quarter of the season actually more than that uh a third of the season so they do have great weapons you watch michael Penix. i mean the film doesn't lie at how impressive they are but devil's advocate a little bit they haven't faced something like michigan with the pressure that they can bring 
and the secondary that Michigan has with Will Johnson and Josh Wallace is held up in the safety play. And to something you pointed to earlier that is going to be majorly crucial in this game is Jesse Minter, Steve Klingscale, Mike Elson, the different fronts, the different coverages that they can play and the way they can disguise those fronts and coverages. Yeah. And, and the, you know what the other thing that I think has been really interesting about the DNA and the make of this team is the fact that, you know, we've seen a lot throughout the year when, when someone there's been a narrative that, Oh, well X team does this better. This team in this matchup does this better. And, and, you know, there's no way Michigan, you know, JJ McCarthy can match whatever the narrative is. I suspect that I think the pass is, I, I said, I suspect a lot. Is that a new thing for me? I don't know. It's, I think, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, sorry, I'm thrown off by the amount of times I've repeated that phrase tonight, but I, I think that the passing game, I, I, there will be an emphasis on it. I think that there is, I asked Kirk Campbell about it at media day. You know, it's not, and it's not like a, oh, well, this, we're going to stick it to them because they've been talking about Michael Penix. But I think when you look at what this – it's going to be a balanced attack. I think you're going to get the steady diet of Blake Corm. I think you'll see J.J. McCarthy have his 25, 27, maybe even 30 pass attempts, whatever. You know, it depends on the amount of snaps you get. But I, this feels like a Roman Wilson game. This feels like a, a Colston Loveland game. You know, it feels like we are going to get one of those early season type of J.J. McCarthy performances where you see him go like 24 of 29 for 275 and a pair of scores. Mind you, he needs three touchdowns to tie that uh, to tie the all time single season record, which, again, asterisk next to it in terms of playing 15 games. But J.J. McCarthy is the type of guy that we've seen that doesn't typically repeat performances and repeat mistakes and he had a great final drive had a few great individual plays in that rose bowl but not his best performance and i feel like that we're gonna see that guy's best for last year step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus yeah that would be huge um last thing for me, just on this past game from Washington, from, you know, actually watching them and, and understanding, you know, taking some of the numbers out of it of the teams they've played and, and this and that, what stands out about this team is that he gets the ball out quickly, but it doesn't mean that they're throwing a bunch of three-yard passes or screens. They do do a lot of that because they throw a lot, so you're going to mix in that. It's almost supplements your run game to a certain extent, but they're able to throw deep passes quickly. And something you really notice, and Kalen DeBoer, their head coach, I have been impressed with him since he was at Indiana, helping Michael Penix you know, have some success there. But his scheme is fantastic. Um, the way they get free releases for the wide receivers, one, the re receivers are really good, so they're able to just kind of get off the line clean. But two, he'll stack them, kind of like Michigan does. They'll use motion to get these guys free releases so they can get down the field quickly. Michael Penix has a great offensive line and a really quick release and, uh, and can, you know, three-step drop, it could still be a deep ball. And this is a stat that proves this, that I was 
it's always great when you kind of notice something and then you actually can find the stats to back it up. And I, and I was able to find this Penix average throw depth is 10.4 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. According to sports info solutions that ranks 27th in the country, but his 2.71 seconds to throw is the 35th quickest in the country, minimum hundred pass attempts. Um, so he gets it out quick, but he's still pushing the football downfield. He leads the sport in completions uh, 50 in attempts, 108 on passes of 20 plus yards in the air. So the ball is going to be pushed downfield. They're going to, uh, you know, it, it might even be on quick passes. So these Michigan guys are going to have to try to, you know, be physical at the line against the receivers, but they're also going to have to cover from the moment that ball snapped, or even maybe the moment a guy's in motion to the moment the whistle is blown. It's going to be a big challenge for Will Johnson, who who may travel, you know, uh, you know, from one side of the field to the other with Romo Dunze, but uh, Mikey Sainer still. Josh Wallace, the safeties, the scheme, uh, you know, maybe they do go. They went with a little bit of dime, uh, you know, personnel early in the Alabama game on some of those third and longs. I think they realized they didn't need to anymore, but maybe we see that look again with Keon Sab or Quentin Johnson coming in. Uh, it's going to be all hands on deck in the in the secondary. Uh, every hand on deck. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, every hand you have is uh... – I mean, I guess by definition, that's what all hands on. And the pass means, rush, the pass rush as well. I mean, they're going to have to push him back. It's going to have to come from the interior. And that O-line, you know, we mentioned Joe Moore award winning, you know, a couple times here. Tavondre Sweat is the Outland Trophy award winner. Unbelievable, just a beast of a defensive tackle. I saw him in person earlier this year uh, for Texas. He, he hardly got through to Michael Penix. He had two pressures. But they really held him in check. And I know some people have pointed to Washington center uh, being 275 pounds. He's still very good. He went from not playing at all last year as, as a true freshman that ended up redshirting to being a second-team all-Pac-12 performer. They have a great offensive line, so it's going to be a battle in the trenches. And I think these Michigan guys are are revved up for that, too. You talk about you know kind of trying to shove it in their face. I mean, you know there's going to be a lot of talk from the Michigan D linemen if they win that game on Monday night about how, you know, they overcame the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. So, as always, the pass rush and the coverage have to play, you know, complementary and, and really tie in together. Yeah, all of these phases, and again, this was something else that Minter said when, when I talked to him on Saturday, is that, you know, to have a game like they had against Alabama, where, again, yeah, there were times where they got run on a little bit um, in that second half, but defensive line has confidence that the back end is going to hold up the back end has confidence that that defensive line, that front seven, is going to get enough pressure to make their jobs a little bit easier so that you have that cohesiveness. And and the chemistry not only built throughout the year, but you just came off a performance that you hang your hat on. I mean, what they were able to do against Alabama was honestly pretty, uh, I won't say unexpected, but I think they even, Minter seemed even surprised in his own right in terms of how effective they were at all three levels of the defense. So got to find a way to bottle that up. Got to find a way to repeat it. It's a confident group. I think they are a, a well-coached and well-studied group. Um, you know, I think we know that there was, you know, there was, a, I don't want to use the term advanced scouting and get anyone in trouble, but they had four weeks to prepare for the college football playoff and you knew who two of the other teams were. So, you know, the, you've had guys within the program looking at tendencies and looking at, ways to get an upper hand and I think what sticks out to me the most about this Michigan team is one more often than not it doesn't beat itself and two it is the most single-minded 
well-prepared team I think I've ever seen, just in terms of being able to lock in every single week, quick turnaround, long turnaround, bye week, off-field scandal, four weeks of bowl prep, whatever it is, they've found ways to give themselves an upper hand by how hard they prepare and and the game plans that they put in place. So you just need them to do enough and come up in those big moments. You don't have to be everyone's everything on every single snap. Now, if you are, you're probably winning this game going away. But It'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great. I'm sure a lot of Michigan fans would prefer to have their victory cigars lit in the third quarter. I don't know if that'll be the case in this game, but uh, yeah, it's this is just a fascinating matchup because it is it's a contrast in styles. It's going to be in terms of the college football playoff, no SEC team. I think a lot of people will probably tune into this game just because of that. Um, and you have the whole nation rooting against you too. That's the other thing, and that that hasn't changed at all. But there's still there's still an edge. There's still a swagger about this group, despite being the number one team in the country. Despite, you know, it'd be very easy to come out and puff your chest out about beating big, bad Alabama. But, you know, a year ago, once they got off that plane from the Fiesta Bowl, they spoke this trip into existence. And now that they're here, they're still kind of, you know, from our perspective, there's a whiplash in it because, you know, four days ago, Ballas and I were eating tacos on Manhattan Beach, and now we're Ubering around the city trying to find Texas barbecue that's still open late on a Sunday night. So, but those guys expected to be here. So, I have no questions about their ability to lock in and be able to do enough because I think it's a well-studied group of guys, and I think it's it's a brilliant group of of coaches on both sides of the ball, but namely on defense as well. For sure, I agree with everything uh, that you just said. And just to wrap up the Washington offense, I think a key matchup is going to be Jalen Polk, their slot receiver, Texas Tech transfer, uh, against Mikey Sanders still. He has over 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns, 65 receptions this year. Mikey's been a little bit erratic in coverage at times when he does have to cover. I mean, he's been great near the line of scrimmage coming up, making hits and making plays. And he's been very good in coverage at other times too. I mean, five interceptions, a couple pick sixes. I'm not knocking – Mikey Sainer still, but this is going to be the best slot receiver he'll have played. And when you have a great receiver, really two great receivers on the outside too, and Romo Dunze and Jalen McMillan, I mean, you, you can't add extra attention on just one guy with this receiving core. And then you you uh, add that in with the fact that Jack Westover, their tight end, is really good and will be heavily involved in the pass game as well. Made some really tough catches in that game against Texas. So that's a Michigan defense against the Washington offense. We'll get to our final score predictions and offensive defensive player of the game predictions in just a second. I do want to spend just a couple minutes, though, A.B., and obviously we'll talk way more about this win or lose. Uh, but going in, I mean, this is just a big moment for Jim Harbaugh as well. Um, he has talked about how it, we're, winning the national title would be more for his players and more for the coaches and more for the families. Uh, he said, you know, and really not as much for me. I mean – what he's saying is is great, and to an extent, it is absolutely true. I mean, when you're a leader at the top, it, it is more about the people you're leading. But he's a competitive guy. He wants to win one, too. This could be massive. I mean, the Big Ten has only won two national titles this century, both from Ohio State. We know how they operate, kind of like a Southern team. The South has dominated this sport on the national stage for years, decades. You know, he would become one of six Michigan coaches to win a national title, he become one of five active head coaches to win a national title. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, 
Kirby Smart and Mac Brown being the others, and Mac Brown won it with a different program. Uh, but but only five active guys. He's already about to become one of two head coaches to coach in both the Super Bowl and the national title game. This is a big moment for Jim Harbaugh. His legacy as a legend was cemented before he even came back and you know to coach this team. He's a Michigan football legend. He keeps adding to that resume, and this would be a really, really big step for him as well. And don't believe for a second that this won't mean the world to him. Uh, he's the yeah. ultimate deflector. He's the ultimate, you know, talk to these guys type of guy. But uh, <laughs> you're our resident Jim Harbaugh historian. He didn't. He never won a Super Bowl with anyone, right? No, he was close with with a couple teams. Chargers got really close. Okay, this could be his first championship in anything. Really, yeah. when you think about his his football life that goes back, you know, over 40 years now, this would mean the world to him. And this will would be a and to do it with this group. To do it with group. this group, yeah. this team, this year, given everything that's gone on. Uh, because even when he wasn't there, like again, he was in the building all week. His fingerprints are all over this team. You talk to players as, as frequently as we do and they start to echo, like they speak themselves organically the way that he speaks. Um, I mean, I have no issue saying if they close this deal out, I think that he is the best Michigan football coach in the history of the program uh, because he's a guy that will have had that type of big success in the NFL. He's already had the big success at Michigan, but to win three Big Ten titles uh, with, I'd say, two of them, with Ohio State at the at the height of its superpowers for you know for all the grief that Ryan Day has gotten and about how things have gone the last few years that team was a field or a missed kick away from playing for a national title last year so again to do what they've done to completely break Ohio State and I think that that is not something that's going to get remedied anytime soon from their end of the deal even if Michigan does fall off a bit after this year I mean, he is um, – we will talk about it after the fact. But as we more – you know, for as much as people discuss how that 2020 season was a Mickey Mouse campaign and how it didn't really matter, in a lot of ways that's the most consequential season in Michigan football history, especially if they find a way to win this national title on Monday night. So if he finds a way to pull this off and to win it and to win it for his alma mater, which is what he came – to Michigan to do maybe didn't expect it to take nine years to do, but they have been in the conversation. Anyone who says that this success that they've had came post COVID is they were a, a spot of a football away in 2016 from being in the college football playoff 2018. They just completely crapped the bed in the biggest moment of the season. Um, to, to finally get over this hump would mean everything to, to him would mean everything to this program. And yeah, I mean, I, I think there's who knows what the future holds. He, you know, he, he likes to say, no man knows the future. Now he just hopes to have a future, but if he goes out and actually leads this team to a national title and really the first outright national title since 1948, it will have been the most earned, the most legitimate national title. I think you could possibly win given that, it's been almost three months since the sign stealing stuff came out and they just kept winning and they just, you know, wins win at Penn state, win at Ohio state, win against Alabama in the Rose bowl. I mean, it's uh, they got a chance to do one more. And if they do that one more, 
with all of everything stripped away, Chris Partridge gone, your science, I mean, who the, the sign stealing, which is legal operation kind of ripped out root and branch to, to borrow from Rich Eisen. It is completely and totally legitimate. And it will be Jim Harbaugh's crowning achievement at any level of the sport. So yeah, I, I agree with, that's my long winded way of saying students a Michigan icon already, but he becomes a Michigan legend and maybe, you know, maybe even something more. I don't know what more than a legend. It's, is. It would be more because he already is a legend. Yeah, I don't know what that is or what that descriptor would be, but if they find a way to close this out, this is uh, what a remarkable turnaround because this thing was, honestly, this thing felt like it was dead in the water or close to it on life support three years ago and took a lot of time. It took a lot of a lot of effort, but he was willing to put in that work and the guys that stuck around were willing to put in that work and that's why they're playing for a national title on Monday because they just stuck to it and, and kept going and they, they, they have to do it one more time, but yeah, in terms of legacy, what's on the line, I don't think there is a descriptor bigger and, you know, too big to put on the job that he's done, not just at Michigan, but this year. Yeah. I think he's the best coach in the country. I mean, you can't compare coaches apples to apples because every situation is different. I mean, Georgia, is using the Alabama recruiting operation method, you know, the methods that they use, but in a more talent-rich state. And we've sat, ha, seen them have more success over the last few years with Kirby Smart. It's not to say he's not a good coach, but they're, they have built-in advantages down there or advantages that, that Michigan doesn't. Alabama, same thing. Um, you know, a lot of these Southern teams just kind of look at the way college football plays out. So it's not apples to apples, but what Jim Harbaugh has done to get his team here, and then if he can win the national title, really, Kalen DeBoer, too, would be a hell of an accomplishment for him, and it already is that there, he's in this spot too. Um, but it's it's remarkable where this team is at, and it's 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 hard to fathom. You know, I believe that I picked him. I actually picked him to win the national championship before the year, but it's still surreal that we're actually in Houston, ready to cover this game. And with that, let's talk about our predictions as we close out here. Anthony, offensive player of the game. I got. I'm going to go with JJ McCarthy. He's the Rose Bowl. Offensive player of the game, Blake Corum easily could have been that as well. You could make an argument that Trevor Keegan, you know, was one of those guys that would have deserved something like that. He's not going to get it because of his position, but there are going to be some guys that need to step up if Michigan wins it. But I'm going to go with J.J. McCarthy because I think there are going to be some crucial plays that he makes, um, but he's going to be one of one of a few, I think, that are going to not feast, but it may be feast, but have, have a lot of success on Monday on the offense. It's Blake Corum for me. I mean, just keep, just keep it rolling. Now, uh, this is again. We talked about earlier how that Washington game back in 2021 was kind of, you know, I don't know that we could sit here and say, oh well, gosh, that is, you know, at the time we weren't saying, oh, this program's back, but to do what they did in one of the better Michigan atmospheres I can ever recall. Corum had 21 carries, 171 yards, three touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar type of line than that i mean this is a guy that especially when you look at how he played in in the rose bowl not going to be denied i think maybe the best all things considered maybe the best run of his career to score that touchdown in overtime just the footwork the vision the so. balance the contact courage like that is his that is his iconic moment uh i think he might have another one or two of those in him so that's my pick i like that i could have easily gone there as well defensive player of the game I'm going to go 
with Rod Moore. Uh, I think that safety play is going to be huge in this game, not only for you know what he's going to have to do in coverage and what the other safeties are going to have to do in coverage, but also just tackling. I mean, there may be a guy that catches the ball short and is in the open field. Rod Moore, who we know is great at open field tackling, is going to have to come up and make a play. Otherwise, Washington you know, could turn this thing into a track meet. So I think it's going to be Rod Moore. I think he's going to step up. I'm going to stay in the secondary and say Will Johnson. Uh, this okay. is, again, he's not draft el- eligible this year, but if he is lined up across from Romo Dunze, that is that is what the NFL scouts that will be at NRG Stadium are there to see. And they're, they're to see a lot of things, but that's, that's good will. on good. That's good on good. That's great on great. That's really elite on elite. That's two guys that are probably going to be conservatively speaking, top 15 draft picks uh, when Will Johnson's time comes, presumably 2025 NFL draft, but we'll see. I think that he is going to, again, you're not going to lock down. I don't think they're going to lock down Odunze by any stretch, but I I think that that's going to be a battle. And I think that Johnson's going to win enough of them to where you kind of hold him back from being the game breaker. He has been a lot of times this year. So, uh, Will Johnson, my pick for defensive player of the game. Yeah, huge, huge matchup. Uh, and I'm sure he'll match up with other guys too, but I'm sure he'll be on Odunze quite a bit. Um, final score predictions. I got 34 to 24, Michigan winning its 12th ever national title. I think that uh that it's gonna be close, you know, all the way through. I think it could look like a meat grinder at times, uh, but I do think Michigan's gonna kind of have that edge and and, uh, you know, be able to get up a couple scores at the end and, and get the stops that they need. Uh, but I got Michigan winning by 10 points. Uh, before I give mine, I'll just want to roll through a couple, you know, the other guys that did through their staff picks in. Uh, Ballas has Michigan winning 34-27. John Borton picked Michigan 30, Washington 24. And, of course, Doug Skeen has Michigan 31, Washington 17. So predicting that's not quite a blowout. It is a multiple-score game. And, and Skeen's Which, got – History with Washington, too. 91. He does. 92. <laughs> he does have a history with them. Um, we have a brief history with Washington, given that we Jimmy Lake. were both covering uh, the team for different outlets at the time uh, during that 2021 season. Um, like I said, this game is is going to be an interesting clash of styles. It's an explosive offense versus a Michigan team that, again, the Bowood constrictor has been the, the comparison that keeps coming up. Listen, I wouldn't be surprised to see this game devolve into a bit of a shootout early on, but I think for me, and it's not—it's obviously not the same situation. You were the number one seed. You were expected to win the Rose Bowl, but taking down Alabama the way they did reminds me a lot of, you know, the come down from having to lock in one more time and play one more game, like when the when USA Hockey beat the Russians back in 1980. Uh, I think that Michigan is going to come out loose. I think they will start fast. And I think that this will game be a game that harkens back to maybe that 2021 Ohio State game. I have Michigan winning 41-27. I think it will be neck and neck, probably into the third quarter before Michigan starts to pull away and uh, start to see him hammer on them late with that running game. So uh, I think I just think that Michigan's going to be able to dial up and, and – score what they need to score to get out of there. And I think the defense is going to do enough. If they can keep Washington under 30 points, I feel really good about Michigan, but I already feel really good about Michigan. So Michigan 41, Washington 27. 
maize and blue confetti will fall at NRG Stadium on Monday night. And Ann Arbor will burn to the ground on Monday night if Michigan wins the national title. Certainly hoping it happens for all the Michigan fans out there. Thank you so much for following our coverage throughout the season. It's not over. Job's not finished for us. Continue to follow it over at thewolverine.com, but truly cannot thank I, you enough. Can uh, I just yeah. say one more thing? Yeah. It's really weird that uh, this is the first time since the Citrus Bowl in tw- January 1, 2020, where we've we've gone into a game knowing that that was the last game of the year. Because COVID season, didn't know what yeah. was going to happen with that. Yeah. Playoff seasons, didn't know which way it was going to go, but this is yeah. for sure now the last game, and it's the biggest game. So uh, to have you guys along for the ride has been incredible. Uh, our coverage doesn't stop. I mean, if Michigan wins this thing, that's going to be a high that takes everyone into whatever comes the next few weeks. A lot of uh, yeah. a lot of future decisions will be sorted out uh, after this game. Either all way, the talk yeah. is uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about it after the season. Well, guess what? Season ends less than by the time this podcast is out. Season ends today, so we'll see what the future holds. Hopefully, uh, whatever it holds includes a national title for your Michigan Wolverines. We'll see what happens, though. For sure. So, yeah, thank you to everybody for following it throughout the year. Uh, we could not live out our passion without your passion for Michigan football. So thank you so much for that. Please lo- like the video on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to have full coverage on the field, everything else from the national championship game and head to the Wolverine.com promo code UM1 gets you two months of premium access for just $1. So 50 cents per month. Try us out. Check us out at the Wolverine.com. We'll see you next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, It's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 